if you've been a believer for very long, then you have struggled with how you ought to pray. Sometimes we do. We struggle with how we should pray. I have bowed before God before, and I have wondered, how should I pray about this situation, about this matter? I have had the experience of praying with someone after they have shared what's been going on in their lives. And as we have bowed our heads together, I've wondered to myself, how do I need to pray about this situation? What words do I need to use? What requests should I make? The Scriptures acknowledge that this struggle is real. Paul, in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, observes, we do not know what to pray for as we ought. And I bet you have experienced this. As you've considered a marriage on the rocks or a family in crisis, a nation in turmoil, growing immorality, homelessness in our own community, unrest around the world, a senseless tragedy, you know that you ought to pray, but you don't know how you ought to pray, and you don't know the words that you should use or the requests that you should make. How should we pray How should we pray for the church? The church faces many challenges throughout the world and in our country. How should we pray for the Lord's church? How should we pray for this church? For this family? This congregation? This church family that has become so dear to me, to us, speaking of my family, I say this often, but I, and I'll speak on behalf of Lauren and my children, we feel so blessed to be serving here. We feel thankful uh, that we can join with you in ministry, and we have begun this year our 10th year. And in our 10 years, with you people, you wonderful people whom we have grown to love, you have challenged us, you've supported us, encouraged us, you've loved us, prayed for us, You've rejoiced with us, and you've mourned with us and cried with us. And as we've ministered among you, you've become our family. You've become very dear to us. How should we pray for our church? How should we pray for this body of believers, this family of brothers and sisters, saints? When we go to God in prayer, what should we say? How should we pray for one another? Paul was close with the Apostle. Paul was close with many congregations. Many congregations that he helped to establish and that he helped in their early, their fledgling years of being a family of God. And one congregation was the Ephesian church, the church at Ephesus. And we've got a letter in our New Testament to these believers. Paul spent, we know from Acts chapter 19 and 20 that Paul spent Around two or three years in Ephesus, ministering to the people there, teaching the gospel, proclaiming uh, the good news of God, spreading the word about Jesus. And that was as long as he spent anywhere. He had a traveling itinerant ministry, and he was in and out of a lot of places pretty quick, but he camped out in Ephesus. And he really dug in and put his roots down in that town and with those people. And for two to three years, 
he ministered there. The longest he ever spent at a church. Now, Alex and Allison have been with us for two and a half years. And I want you to think about how this precious couple has become dear to us. And how if they were to leave, and they're not, I'll just go ahead and say, they're not going anywhere, all right? Are you? But if they were, think about how we would miss them. And think about how we would shed tears if they were to leave us. They have become part of this family. They have become very dear to us. And so now imagine Paul being in Ephesus for two to three years and then after that time deciding he needed to go and spread the gospel elsewhere. Of course he was special to that group of people. Of course he endeared himself to that family of God. And I'm thinking about the last time that Paul ever saw anybody from that congregation was at a coastal conference that he arranged with the elders of that church. He was on his way by boat down to Jerusalem. He was trying to get there quickly, but he stopped at the coastal city of Miletus and he summoned the Ephesian elders and they came and he instructed them. And at the end of that meeting, what made them the saddest is that he told them they would never see his face again. Now, they knew about the resurrection. They knew that they would see Paul in the by and by in the life to come. But it was sad that on this earth, they realized they would never see their dear brother Paul again. And they cried and they prayed together and they hugged and they kissed. Paul was very close to the Ephesian church, to this group of believers. I wonder how he prayed for them. How did he pray? For the Christians in Ephesus. When he went into his private place of prayer. And got down on his knees. What kind of words did he use? What kind of requests did he make to God on their behalf? Oh to be a fly on the wall in Paul's private prayer closet. And to hear the apostle pray. How did he pray for them? Well the good news is. We don't have to wonder how Paul prayed for the Ephesian church because he tells us in our text in Ephesians chapter 3. Would you grab a Bible, your Bible, the Bible on the rack in front of you? I'll allow you to get out your smartphone or your tablet and pull up the Bible app if you are so inclined. Just somehow access God's Word and go with me to Ephesians chapter 3. This is where we're going to camp out the rest of our time together. Ephesians 3, starting at verse 14 through 19. We here get a glimpse into Paul's prayer life. We don't have to wonder how he prayed for the Christians at Ephesus. And maybe this was the kind of prayer that he prayed for all the Christians, for all believers. We get a glimpse into the content of Paul's prayer for the early church In Ephesians chapter 3, I'm going to start at verse 14, go to 19. I've got a couple of verses up on the screen. Paul says, for this reason, because of God's grace to you, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, 
may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, as you look at that prayer, maybe you see some key words. Maybe a theme jumps out at you from Paul's prayer here for the Ephesian church. But the word that leaps off the page at me is the word love. As I read this prayer, in my estimation, this prayer, Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church is all about love. And it's not primarily about loving others and the importance of loving others. It is primarily, his prayer is that the Ephesian church would come to understand in a greater way God's love for them. Now maybe some of you are thinking, maybe you're not. But maybe even if you're not, there would be somebody, there, there would be a Christian out there somewhere who might happen to join us who would think, you know what, I've heard enough about love. We've heard enough about love. Maybe there was a time in the history of the church where we overemphasized judgment and hell and obedience and we neglected love and grace and mercy. But then the pendulum swung the other direction and we began focusing more on love and grace and mercy. And now we've heard enough of it. The church is saturated with teaching on love and grace. And so now we need to swing it back and we need to start hearing more about truth and judgment and duty and obedience. And all of those words are important. Those themes are vital. But anyone who says, we've heard enough about love, with that person, I would strongly disagree. Because when Paul says here in Ephesians chapter 3 that when he prays for the Ephesian church, the number one thing that he prays for is that they would have a deeper grasp of God's love. And for somebody to say this, and again, I don't know if anybody out there is thinking this, But if they were, I think this proves that we have a faulty view of love. That this idea or theme of love is skewed in our minds if we were to ever think this. That we've heard enough about it. That we need to move on to something else. Love is not at odds with those things that I mentioned with duty and judgment, truth and obedience. Love isn't at odds with those things. Love goes hand in hand with each of those ideas. And in fact, True love leads us to practice them. Now, in this prayer that we're looking at, Paul prays that they would have the strength to comprehend the fullness of God's love. That's his prayer. Lord, let these Christians give them the inner strength through your spirit that they need to understand the love of God. Help them to get it. Help them to grasp it. And this is a prayer that we ought to borrow. We ought to pray it for ourselves. We ought to pray it for our church family here, just as Paul prayed it for them. Now, why does he pray for strength? Strength to grasp the love of God. Well, it's because God's love is one of the most difficult things that we can possibly grasp. I've told you before about my 
grandmother, my Grammy. She was born poor in uh, northeast Mississippi in a little town called Plantersville. She was the daughter of sharecroppers. She was, I, can, I can't even imagine her upbringing. She was born in a two-room shack that had a dirt floor on the edge of a creek, sweltering in the summertime, so cold in the winter, they'd pile up so many blankets they couldn't even turn over in their beds. Very poor. Later in life, as I've told you before, she developed, struck up a relationship with a preacher over in Africa, long distance, began to support him financially over the course of many years. And then he started a school and he named it in her honor. And they plastered a big picture of her on the side of the wall. And I had the privilege to go a couple times with her to visit that school before she passed away. But I asked her shortly before she died, what would your parents, uneducated, poor, sharecroppers, they only probably traveled throughout their life, you know, in in just a few miles radius. I said, Grammy, what would your parents think if they knew you had a school named for you across the ocean in Africa? And she said, they wouldn't even be able to, and she She was at a loss for words. They wouldn't be able to comprehend it. They wouldn't be able to imagine. And understanding God's love is like that. It's that difficult. It's more difficult than that to comprehend. And Paul does not mince words about the difficulty. He says, Lord, help them to understand the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. It exceeds our ability to get it, to to grasp it, to understand it. It surpasses knowledge. Love, true, sacrificial, self-giving, relentless love. Not this soft, cushy, sentimental idea of love that we get from our culture. And maybe that's another reason that some of us are, are sort of fed up with this idea of love. Is that we've let people from our culture define what love is instead of the God who is love. True love's identity comes from God who is in his very essence love. But we let Hallmark Christmas movies and silly romantic comedies decide what love is for us. That's not the love I'm talking about. I'm talking about this selfless, self-giving, sacrificial, inconvenient kind of love. It's one of the toughest things in the universe to understand. Just last week, I saw this story about a man named Chen Si. He's a manager in a transport, a transport company over in China. But every weekend, he patrols the uh, Nangji's Yangtze River Bridge in this city in China. And it is the most frequent suicide site in the world. It's estimated that by 2006, over 2,000 people took their lives at this location from this bridge. And he goes there every weekend to look for those who feel like they have nothing to look forward to in life, nothing to live for anymore. Every weekend he travels 15.4 miles to this bridge. Whether on bike or on foot, he paces the bridge and he looks. He looks for those who look depressed. Those whose, and I'm quoting here, those whose psychological pressure is great, whose way of walking is very passive with no spirit or no direction. And he strikes up conversations with them. He talks to them. 
He quietly listens to their sorrows. If someone is about to jump, he pulls them back. Sometimes getting attacked in the process. In case he's not there when someone needs help, he has written his number on the bridge for people to call him. A man named Shi Ziking once tried to commit suicide because he couldn't pay the $15,000 bill on his daughter's leukemia treatment and the shame that was associated with that. And Chen helped him. He called him every week. And he, he called his creditors and he talked to them and, and he tried to negotiate to, to lower the bill. He sometimes even offers people a place to stay in his extra bedroom. And with each new life he saves, his burden grows. He said this to someone who interviewed him. What should I do with the people I save? I don't have that much money. When I save people, I don't want to just cheat them into living another day. Get this. Since 2003, he has saved over 300 people from taking their own life. Why would he do that? It's hard to explain why Chen Si would spend his life doing that. So inconvenient. He doesn't have the resources. He's got to travel almost 20 miles to get there. It's hard to understand why someone would take such action. All we can say, I guess, is that's what love does. That's, that's love. God's love is even harder to explain. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about the question, why does God love me? There's really no good answer to that question. He simply does. If you listen to that song we sang before the sermon, it, it really captures this idea nicely. The song, He Loves Me. Why did the Savior heaven leave and come to earth below where men His grace would not receive? Why would He do that? Why did the Savior... Why did the Lord decide to come to earth in the flesh where he knew people would reject him? Why did the Savior mark the way and why temptation no? Why teach and toil and plead and pray? Why feel the garden's dreadful dross? Why through his trials go? Why suffer death upon the cross? I don't understand. Why the Son of God would come down to earth, would humble himself, would be obedient to God to the point of hanging there on that cruel cross for me? Why? The song says about all we can say about it, which is, because he loves me so. That's why. God loves us, and so because of his love, he was compelled to send his son to Prevent us from certain destruction. We don't understand the action that he's taken on our behalf. All we can say is, in a word, it's love. That's what love does. So difficult to grasp. And yet the fact that we are called by Paul in the Holy Scriptures to be rooted and grounded in this love means that we must pray, we must join Paul in his prayer for greater understanding of this love we can't grasp it we have such a hard time understanding it and yet we can't stay there we've got to go deeper in our understanding and our 
our comprehension of God's love, we must ask God that we may know more fully the immeasurable dimensions of his love. As Paul says in his prayer, the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, we must explore all of these dimensions of his love for us. And we must ask to experience the realness of his love. God, help me to know, help me to experience your love. And I'm not talking about some kind of mystical or magical experience of God's love. I just mean we should want to know that God loves us, not just here, but here. Not just in our brains, but in our gut. Not just in our head, but in our heart. God, help me to, help me to know right here, not just here, that you love me. And help my whole life to be guided by that knowledge, by that experience, that I am loved by the Father above. Because it is from our understanding and experience of God's love that flows the fullness of the Christian life. This is the source for everything that comes from our lives. That is why we must be rooted in it grounded in it this is the foundation that we must lay that leads to everything else in our lives of faith the quest for truth the dread of judgment devotion and duty and obedience the capacity to love others as god has called us to all of that comes from the knowledge that we are loved by god that's why paul prays this for the ephesian church help them to get a better grasp of your love for them because if they can do that If they can lay that foundation, if they can be rooted and grounded in that, then from that will flow everything else. We've got to be rooted in the knowledge of this for any of this other stuff to matter. That's what's got to come first. Sometimes Lauren will put the girls to bed at night. Sometimes I will. Sometimes we both will. And... That procedure involves, as I'm sure it does or it has at your house, a prayer and maybe a song, a story, a brief conversation, and then good night. When Lauren puts the girls to bed, she's got things she likes to say to them and a song that she likes to sing. But when I put them to bed, and it's not every night, but when I'm in there with them as they're laying their head down on their pillow, there's something I like to say to them before they go to sleep. I like to ask them, who loves you best? And they'll sometimes say, mommy or daddy. And we'll say, yes, mommy and daddy, we love you a whole lot. You can't even imagine how much we love you. But who loves you even more than us? And they'll say, God. And then I'll say, and don't ever And they'll finish the sentence. Don't ever forget. I think if I can get them to understand that, if I can lay that foundation for them early in their lives, then they'll be okay. They could be rooted and grounded in that. If they can come to the knowledge of God's love that surpasses all understanding, then everything else will fall into place. Who loves us best? God. May we never forget it. 
Let's pray together as Paul prayed. Would you bow with me? Father, strengthen us with power that we being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and height and depth Help us to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge so that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. Help us to remember and never forget who loves us best. And that's you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Listen, love isn't the only important theme in Scripture. I know that. But it is the most important. And there's no better way to begin this year than by talking about the love in which we should be rooted and grounded. For from that foundation comes everything else. And so we are launching out into 2018, rooting and grounding ourselves in the love of God. And let me tell you, there would be no better way for this year to begin than for somebody or multiple people to come who... Maybe need prayers. Maybe you are struggling with something in your life, a spiritual problem, or maybe there's an illness in your family that's caused you grief, or maybe you've just been down and out and and you need your church family to lift you up. Listen, the invitation is not simply for, for those who have so gone astray that they need to be restored. It's not simply for those who need to be baptized. It is, of course, for those people. But it's for any of us to come before our church family to ask for prayers, any of us who need extra encouragement or love from our brothers and sisters, boy, it'd be a glorious day if we could just fill these front pews with Christians who need some support. Or maybe there's just one person here who hasn't been obedient to God through baptism. I was so glad last week I... I, wasn't here to witness and to experience the joy in person, but Nick and Clara, that brother and sister who became a brother and sister in Christ just last week. Maybe there's somebody here who needs to be baptized today, or maybe you need to come and say, you know what, this new year is beginning, and I need to, I need to start it out right by making sure I've got my priorities in order and I'm fully devoted to the Lord. I want 2018 to belong to my Father. I want my life to be shaped by His will. If any of those are your desire at this time, we ask you to come as we stand and sing together.